I want to share with you something this morning which I'm simply calling No Need to Panic in the Pandemic. Um, I thought just the other day, it used to only be bank robbers that went into a bank with a mask. Uh, now we all have to do it. And I read this, what's the difference between COVID-19 and Romeo and Juliet? Well, one is the coronavirus and the other is the Verona crisis. Awful, isn't it? And there are so many coronavirus jokes now that it's become a pandemic. Um, catch up. I won't go any further. But you know, God invented laughter. He did. And it's really good for us. Apparently, on average, children laugh 400 times a day. Now, last evening, we did a video call with our two granddaughters and their mum. Uh, these two granddaughters are six, and, well, the, the younger one will be three tomorrow. And do you know, they laughed and giggled for about three quarters of an hour while we were trying to have a conversation with them. It was just wonderful to see it, and it reinforced this fact that children laugh about 400 times a day. Adults, about four times a day. What happens when we grow up? Do we become miserable and you lose the joy of life? What goes wrong? Do we take life too seriously? Now, our Chancellor said just this week, uh, Rishi Sunak, about the coronavirus, he said, live with it and without fear. Well, we all know we've got to live with it. But how do you live without fear if you haven't got faith? You see, you must never let fear decide your future. And we're going to put up on the screen here now a verse that was read to us by Emma this morning, and I want just to look at this for a few moments. This is what Jesus said, Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me and I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine, learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. It's a great statement. The good old King James says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Come to me, all you who are weary. Let's just think about this. There's three areas, and I've underlined them there. First thing that Jesus said was, come. Come to me with your weariness, and I will refresh you. We had read to us this morning by Phil a passage in the Old Testament where God says, come, everyone who's thirsty, everyone who's hungry, come to me without any money. You don't have to pay for anything. I am a God who wants to freely give to you all that you need and that will do you good. You're probably weary of this season that we're in. I've become weary. You get a bit zoomed out after a while, don't you, when you have so many Zoom meetings. And there's a kind of a weariness and a lethargy that gets into us, and this whole virus drains you. Do you know it's 203 days since we last met together here? That's a long time, isn't it? Weariness is a feeling that lowers your energy. It brings tiredness. You, you become emotionally, physically and mentally weary. But Jesus invites us to come to him with our weariness because he understands all that we feel and all that we go through. 
He understands your life better than you understand it. He knows what you are feeling right now. He knows your fears today and your worries about tomorrow. And he says, come to me. Bring all that stuff because I am concerned about you. That's why it says in another place in the Bible, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. You don't have to live with weariness because Jesus invites us to come. I heard a story this week by the well-known evangelist J. John. It's about a flock of geese. And the head goose one day said, right guys, it is time that we flew south because winter is coming. So they all got ready, but one goose said, I'm weary of flying. I'm weary of traveling. I don't want to go. So with that, the rest of the flock, they took off and they left this one goose all on his own. Well, the next day, this one goose on his own woke up and decided he didn't like being on his own. He didn't like being separated from all of his mates. And he was rather sad. And he thought to himself, well, if I take off now and if I really fly fast, I'll catch them up. So he takes off and he flies. But of course, he wasn't in the V formation. He wasn't protected from the headwind. And as he flew, it got colder and colder until eventually he froze in the sky. And this frozen goose suddenly begins to plummet to the earth, thinking he's about to face his death, but suddenly he has this soft landing and he lands in a fresh cow pat. And he lays there just wondering what's happening. But the cowpat being fresh and warm thaws him out. And he begins to feel revived. But just as he's starting to feel revived, a wild cat comes along. And this wild cat starts to lick the muck off him. And having licked the muck off him, the wild cat then starts to eat him. And this goose thinks, I'm going to be eaten alive. I've got to get out of here. And he suddenly realises, I've got a pair of wings and I can fly. And he takes off. What's the moral of the story, you might ask? Sometimes we all mess up. We make wrong choices in life. We end up sometimes in a lot of mess. And sometimes people come along to help clear up our mess who we think are our friends, but they're not really our friends because they've got other ideas. But in the midst of our mess, in the midst of our mistakes, in the midst of our failings and wrong choices, Jesus says, come to me. I'm interested in you. I want to take your mess away. I want to help you fly. I've got a future for you. I've got a destiny for you. I want to lift that weariness from you. I want to forgive you. I want your life to have meaning and fulfillment through my love that I have for you. So Jesus invites us to come to him that we might be refreshed. But then he also says, come and learn my ways. Jesus can teach us the best way to do life. Everyone wants to do life better. But there is nobody who can teach us the best way to live life other than Jesus. With him, your impossible can be made possible. Jesus never worried about a thing. He was never anxious. 
He was never overcome with fear. Why? Because he knew that his father controlled his destiny. Do you know that God has got good plans for your life? Your past not, might not have been too brilliant, but when we commit our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, he promises us a destiny. There is no greater discovery than seeing God as the author of your destiny. And this is why Jesus said, if you seek first my kingdom and learn of me, then everything that matters in your life will fall into place. Passion Bible puts it like this, above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him, then all the less important things will be given to you in abundance. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. I read something recently about the bumblebee. We've seen quite a lot of bumblebees in our summer. They've, they've disappeared now. They've gone off into hibernation or wherever they go. But the bumblebee's body is too heavy for its wingspan. Aerodynamically, a bumblebee cannot fly. But it does. And it flies because nobody has told it it can't fly. It's one of those miracles of God's creative nature. Now, we either live like a bumblebee and believe that Jesus can help us to do the impossible and face every impossible situation, or... We live in unbelief and let fear and doubt determine our destiny. Jesus says, learn from me. Bring me into your life. Trust me with your future. I will teach you and show you how to live the very best life possible. I will be your oasis that you can draw upon whenever you feel weary and you can have a satisfying and successful life. Because the Bible says that with Jesus, we can do all things through his strength. But then there's one other thing in this verse. He invites us to come, he invites us to learn, but then he says, rest in me. You will find rest and refreshment in me. When God created the world, he did it in six days, and the Bible says on the seventh day he rested. And then in the Ten Commandments, God instituted rest because it was good for us. It says, remember to keep the Sabbath holy, to make it a day of rest. And it was something that was ingrained in the whole culture of the Jewish people during the Old Testament period and beyond. Everything that Jesus did was out of rest. The opposite of rest is, of course, labor. You work, we know what labour is all about. But it's also the opposite of rest is distress, busyness, worry, agitation, upset. And there was a family that Jesus frequently liked to visit. And there were two sisters and a brother, Mary, Martha and their brother Lazarus. Lazarus on one occasion died and Jesus raised him back to life, an incredible miracle. But one day Jesus turns up at their home with his disciples. Now, that numbered 13 people. How would you like it if all of a sudden 13 people turned up at your house? 
But Martha, being the very hospitable type, she said, Jesus, come in, come in, boys, sit yourself down, I will prepare you a meal. And so they all sit down. And of course, within Jewish culture, it was absolutely customary to offer hospitality. So Martha gets busy in the kitchen making the meal, expecting her sister to help her, but Mary sits at Jesus' feet. It's okay for a little while, but after a time, Martha's frustration begins to build up within her. Where is my sister? Why is she not here? It's part of a woman's role to show hospitality. Why is she just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he has to say, and I'm working hard? And I can imagine pots and pans being banged down louder and louder in the kitchen as Martha begins to get frustrated. And eventually it all overflows and she boils and she bursts out of the kitchen and she says, Jesus, tell my sister to get in the kitchen and help me. Jesus looks up at Martha and says, Martha, Martha, you fuss and worry about so many things. Mary has found out what really matters and it will not be taken away from her. You see, in that moment, Mary discovered the importance of being still, of resting, of not rushing. We live in such a rush. We live in such busyness. We live under such pressure And we live with so many expectations that sometimes we just don't know how to be still and to know that God is God and to stop and to rest. Jesus said, rest in me. Everything that Jesus did was out of rest. He never panicked. He was never anxious. He was never rushing here or rushing there. Everything about his life was out of rest. John Mark Comer wrote a great book about Garden City and he says in this, no matter how much you love your job or fine-tune your work-life balance, by the end of the week, you are tired. Your fuel cells are empty, but rest refills us. It refills us with energy, creativity, vision, strength, optimism, buoyance, clarity and hope. Rest is life-giving. Do you know some people only find rest when they're laid in the ground and it's written on a stone, R-I-P. That's not how God wants us to live our lives. Jesus wants us to live out of a place of being at rest in him. That means being secure in him being assured of his love and acceptance, knowing that whatever I face in life, he will be there with me to enable me to cope with whatever comes my way. Living out of that place of rest, knowing that his Holy Spirit dwells within me and gives me the energy and the strength to face every single day. Somebody once said that life is a symphony not quite sure what it means but if you think of it I believe that God wants to write the music of your life and mine but within music there is what we call rests because if music was one continuous note 
it, it, it would just drive us crazy. But as music rises and falls, in between those notes, there are moments where there is a rest, where there is a silence. It, it brings out the creativity, it brings out the beauty, it embellishes the symphony that is being created. And that's why Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened with life, and I will give you rest. I will teach you the best way to live your life by living it with me as your Lord and as your Saviour. Let's bow in a moment of quiet prayer together. Jesus, will you forgive us for the times we often try to do life on our own? We think we know better. Rather than humbling ourselves and coming to you and just allowing you to take all our mistakes and to teach us and to help us to live out of a place of being at rest in you. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, help us in this coming week to live that kind of a life, knowing that you're with us. In Jesus' name, amen.